I'm Samantha Sharris. I'm Virginia Allen. And this is the Daily Signal Top News for Wednesday, August 9th. Here are today's headlines. President Joe Biden continues to be hit with corruption allegations by House Republicans who have been digging into the Biden family's business dealings. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer, a Republican from Kentucky, released a third bank records memo highlighting the Biden family's alleged influence peddling schemes. This memo reveals that Biden's family and their business associates received over $20 million in payments from foreign sources in Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. Chairman Comer said during Joe Biden's vice presidency, Hunter Biden sold him as the brand to reap millions from oligarchs in Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. It appears no real services were provided other than access to the Biden network, including Joe Biden himself. Comer also said it's clear Joe Biden knew about his son's business dealings and allowed himself to be the brand sold to enrich the Biden family while he was vice president of the United States. The records show that Biden's son, Hunter, received $1 million per year from Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma Holdings. The memo alleges that Hunter received payments from Yelena Baterina, Burisma, and Kenis Rakashev, and that Joe Biden had dinner with them in Washington, D.C. in both 2014 and 2015. FBI Director Christopher Wray may have lied under oath. The Daily Signal's Tyler O'Neill is reporting that Wray may have been dishonest about a January 23rd memo from the FBI's Richmond office. The memo cites the Southern Poverty Law Center in urging investigation into radical traditional Catholic hate groups. That's according to Representative Jim Jordan. On July 12th, Ray testified to the House Judiciary Committee that the memo represented a single product by a single field office. And Ray said that as soon as he found out about it, he was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from FBI systems. Yet, on July 25th, 2023, the FBI produced a version of the Richmond document with fewer redactions than an earlier version the FBI had produced. Jordan chairs the House Judiciary Committee and wrote in a letter to Ray that this new version shows that the FBI's actions were not just limited to a single field office, as you testified to the committee. According to Jordan, the FBI Los Angeles and Portland field offices appeared to have engaged in similar behavior. The less redacted version of the memo also explicitly states that FBI Richmond cooperated with FBI Portland in preparing the assessment. Jordan said that it appears that both FBI Portland and FBI Los Angeles field offices were involved in or contributed to the creation of the FBI's assessment as traditional Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. We will include a link to Tyler's full report in today's show notes. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis used an executive order on Wednesday to suspend Monique Worrell, the state attorney for the state's Ninth Judicial Circuit, for under-prosecuting criminals in her district. The court says Worrell systematically permitted violent offenders, drug traffickers, serious juvenile offenders, and pedophiles to evade incarceration when otherwise warranted 
under Florida law. DeSantis said at a press conference, prosecutors have a duty to faithfully enforce the law. One's political agenda cannot trump the solemn duty. The suspension will take place immediately. Wuerl was elected in 2021, but according to the executive order, Florida allows the governor to suspend state officials for that officer's malfeasance, misfeasance, neglect of duty, drunkenness, incompetence, permanent inability to perform official duties, or commission of a felony. Wuerl responded to her suspension by saying that DeSantis is promoting a false narrative. She said, we all know that this is not about policy or anything that I've actually done and then alleged that DeSantis and his staff have been looking for a reason to suspend her for political reasons. DeSantis appointed Orlando Judge Andrew Bain to fill Worrell's spot. Bain said at a press conference with DeSantis, my goals as state attorney are to restore order and restore the faith in the law, restore our public trust, restore our relationship with our fellow partner, justice partners in law enforcement, and to create long-lasting relationships for local service agencies and nonprofits that are here to help serve our community. On Tuesday, Ohioans were at the polls to vote on a measure known as Issue 1 during Ohio's special election. Issue 1 would have required a threshold of 60% of the vote to pass a constitutional amendment in the state, rather than simply requiring a majority of the vote. The measure was voted down. According to the Ohio Secretary of State's website, 57% voted no on the measure, while 43% voted for it. The failure of the measure was a significant loss for the pro-life movement in Ohio, ahead of a vote in November to add a right to abortion to the Ohio Constitution. Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America released a statement on Tuesday following the results, saying, It's a sad day for Ohio and a warning for pro-life states across the nation. Millions of dollars and liberal dark money flooded Ohio to ensure they have a path to buy their extreme policies in a pro-life state. The statement went on to say, tragically, some sat on the sidelines while outside liberal groups poured millions into Ohio. A broad coalition of passionate pro-life Ohioans came together to fight parental rights opponents and try to take victory from the jaws of defeat. If Issue 1 had been approved, it would have made it much more difficult for abortion proponents to pass pro-abortion legislation like the Right to Abortion Amendment, which again, Ohioans will be voting on in November. After a seven-year legal battle that ended with a victory at the Supreme Court, Joe Kennedy will be back on the field September 1st, coaching football and taking a knee in prayer. Kennedy told the Daily Signal on Tuesday that I have been looking forward to this since the 2015 season. I am praying for a fantastic fall for our Knights. In 2015, Kennedy lost his job as an assistant football coach in Bremerton, Washington, about 30 miles west of Seattle, for routinely taking a knee in prayer on the field after games. From the time he began coaching at Bremerton High School in 2008, Kennedy said he made a covenant with God to thank him in prayer at the 50-yard line at the end of each of the night's games. Some team members joined the coach on the field, and no student or parent filed a former complaint about the practice. When the Bremerton School District learned of Kennedy's routine, however, 
officials told him he no longer could pray silently after games, even for himself. But Kennedy kept the covenant he made with God, a decision that cost him his job. The football coach, deciding to fight back, filed a lawsuit. The Supreme Court, which heard arguments in the case, ruled in Kennedy's favor in June 2022. From the start of his legal battle, Kennedy said all he was asking for was a chance to return to the field as a coach and be allowed to thank God afterward. Now he'll have that opportunity. Hiram Sasser, executive general counsel at First Liberty Institute, the nonprofit legal organization that represented the coach, told the Daily Signal all Coach Kennedy ever wanted was to be able to kneel in prayer after football games. Now, Kennedy is inviting all Americans to join him September 1st and take a knee to celebrate a national night of prayer. And with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal's top news. If you haven't had the chance, be sure to check out our morning show right here in this podcast feed, where we bring you interviews with lawmakers, experts, and leading conservative voices. Join us tomorrow morning for the Daily Signal interview edition. I'll be sitting down with Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation's Tech Policy Center to discuss the so-called Facebook files. Also, make sure to take a moment to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We're across all podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for listening. Have a great night, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.